Good morning, Sovereign Grace Baptist Church. I am so glad that you could be here with us again as we continue to worship together from home. I know that I pray for you and that I know that you are praying for us and that we are staying connected as best we can. Now, public worship gatherings have begun again here at our location here on Highway 111, but I know that several families are still at home for very legitimate and appropriate reasons. Know that we are still united together through the bond of Christ, and we are still one church. And there will be a common time very soon when we are all back together in this building, and we are taking steps slowly, progressively, uh, as we continue to gather together and take steps to make sure that everyone is safe and healthy. And at this time, personal responsibility is the key in addition to some extra sanitizing and cleaning in the building, but also some wisdom on each and every one of us as we navigate these new waters, this new normal. Today I would like for us to continue looking at Isaiah's prophecy because it is still very relevant to what we are living in right now and how we are navigating through uncertain times. Turn with me, please, to Isaiah chapter 43, and we're going to begin reading in verse 16. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. For I gave water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. Pray with me, please. Dear Father God in heaven, we thank you and we praise you for your word. More importantly, Father, and more relevant to our needs and our circumstances right now, Father, we, we need to hear from you, and I'm so glad that you've given us your word and your comfort here today. As we are navigating a season of wilderness, as we are navigating a season of exile, we do not know what the future may bring. We could become complacent and comfortable and things could turn real quickly against us. But God, your word in Isaiah reminds us of a repeatable pattern in your interaction with your people that continues to this day. And I pray, God, that you would encourage us with this truth, that, Father, you always, always cause deliverance for your people from calamity, from the wilderness, from exile. And Father, we appreciate you for that. We love you for that. We worship you for that. So please speak to us at this moment. Soften our hearts to hear. Open our minds to receive what you have to tell us. And change our hearts. Change who we are in the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, through this. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. The theme here of Isaiah's prophecy, the section that we're looking at in Isaiah 43, we're continuing this 
message of God through his prophet Isaiah to his people. And now we look at this, this section, verses 16 through 21. And God is speaking directly and causing his people to hear something very important. The theme here is a new thing. This is a repeated idea that we've talked about for the last few weeks, but it's a reality of where we are. We are in what is called a new normal. But God is speaking to his people through Isaiah and telling them of a new thing that is coming, a promised new covenant, a new creation, a new deliverance for his people that is also a continuation of what he has done in the past. Verses 16 through 17 of Isaiah chapter 43 recalls God's destruction of the Egyptian armies as God's people crossed the Red Sea. Do you remember that story, right? In Exodus chapter 14, you can read how Moses is directed by God to raise the staff and raise his hands, and the waters parted, and God's people who were running from Pharaoh and his armies would cross the sea on dry land. And throughout that section in Exodus chapter 14, verses 21 and through 30, God continually hindered the progress of Pharaoh and his armies as they were chasing God's chosen people. And God is reminding his people here in Isaiah 43 of a future event that will come as God will send Babylon to come and conquer Judah and take God's people away in exile. But there will be a time, even through that, that God's hand is with his people and protecting them from their enemies. And he's reminding them here in verses 16 and 17 of what he has done in the past, the exodus out of Egypt, and how God controlled and then destroyed the armies of Pharaoh, the chariots, the horses. They were drowned in water where they could not rise. Verse 17, they are extinguished, quenched like a wick. You ever put out a candle extinguishing that flame? It doesn't take much for us to do that. And just like we can extinguish a flame on a candle, God in the same manner can extinguish the powers of an army that are coming after his people. God here is reminding the people of these events in verses 16 through 17 for a very important purpose. He's saying that he will repeat these events when Babylon comes and takes his people away in captivity. The original Exodus story is not an end-all story of itself where God acted once and will never act again. And God is reminding his people here in this text, remember what I've done, that was just the beginning, and it is a repeated act of deliverance for my people. Because God delivers his people repeatedly. This is a pattern of God's repeated behavior with his people that he's reminding them of, that God will always, always do an exodus-like deliverance for his people, but it's all pointing to the, the ultimate and the complete deliverance of sin, deliverance of his people from the bondage and the slavery of sin that is yet to come in his son, Jesus Christ. This is what Isaiah's prophecy continues to speak because chapter 43 is speaking about the only Savior possible for God's people, and it's God himself 
who will cause this to happen. God himself will cause salvation through the only one, the chosen one. And he's reminding his people that I've done this before in the exodus from Egypt, and I want to do it again when you come out of Babylon. Now, verses 18 through 19 remind us of what God is saying. Now, here's, here's kind of the ironic twist here in verse 18. Because we've just read that God said and reminded the people of what he's done in the past. But now look here in verse 18. Remember not the former things, nor to consider the things of old. <laughs> I don't know, that seems a little bit, little bit funny there. When, when I was reading verse 18, I stopped and I paused, I scratched my head, and I said, now wait a minute, God, you just reminded us of something you've done, and now you're telling us not to remember the past. Is this a call not to focus on the old Mosaic law or not to focus on the uh, deliverance from uh, Egypt? I think this is an introduction to a new covenant yet to come. Clearly God says this in verse 19. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? So in verses 18 and 19, God is saying, Do not remember and dwell on the things of the past or consider the things of old because I'm doing a new thing. But that does not mean that we ignore what God has done in the past. We do not ignore His faithfulness for something that is new. The faithfulness of God of old is a continuation pointing to something new that is coming. And this is what God is saying here. So why does Isaiah's prophecy compare... God's faithful past to a new future. It's because God does not want us to always be looking back, but if we do look at the past, we look at the past with an eye on the future and connecting God's faithfulness with His promise. So all of God's past miracles are going to pale in comparison to what He will ultimately do through Jesus Christ. Now, this does not mean that what God has done in the past is to be somehow weakened or diminished. But if you were to compare what God has done in delivering His people in the past, that was just a warm-up for His people to wake up and see the great combination of Jesus Christ and what God will ultimately do through His people In verse 19, behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? You you see, the second great deliverance that's to come will, through the past acts, look like things of the past were a shadow in comparison to what's coming in the new. And so God here says, look here, look in verse 19. Do you not perceive it? Or there's another translation that that says, shall you not know it? In other words, God is talking to a people who are blind and deaf. Do you remember? He calls them blind to his presence and deaf to his words. And so in verse 19, this theme continues. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Have you not seen what I've done in the past? Are you going to be blind to what I'm doing now and what I will do in the future because you're too busy looking into the past? You see, God will deliver even the blind. God will deliver the blind, even Israel, from exile another time. You see what he's looking at here? Because by remembering Exodus chapter 14 and Moses at the crossing of the Red Sea, God is saying that what I've done in the past, I will do again, but I will do even greater 
But the other thing here is in verse 19. We've got to think about this real quickly. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? You see, this is also in verse 19, a, an awakening of a comparison between God's perception of when he does things and our perception of when he does things. For you and me and for the children of Israel here in Isaiah's prophecy, they've been waiting and waiting. You remember that lament of how long, O Lord, will you abandon me forever? The same idea is happening here in Isaiah's prophecy as he declares that I that Judah will be taken over and taken into exile. After a generation, they will be crying out to God, how much longer are we in exile, dear Father? See, our perception of time causes us to worry. But God's perception of time is instant. It's different. It is not bound by time. And so this idea of perception in verse 19 as God looks at his people and asks the question, do you not perceive it? Do you not perceive what I perceive? Do you not see what I see? You see, God's perception can be called into a different way of thinking because for God, he perceives what he does in a timeline of a thousand years equals a day or a moment. But for you and me, a thousand years is forever. And so God is reminding his people through Isaiah's prophecy, for you it will seem like a long time coming. And for you it will seem like that you do not perceive what I am doing, but I'm giving you words of comfort, Israel. I'm giving you words of comfort that the time is soon and that God's glory protects his people. And he does so by tying together that span of history and time of the faithfulness of his deliverance of his people in the past to a promise of a future deliverance of his people out of bondage from Babylon and even on and on and on as God will continue to deliver his people, eventually delivering them from the power of sin. Wow. And see, we can be patient, we can, we can be impatient, and God himself is patient because his perception is much different than ours. You see, when God does deliver his chosen, when God does deliver his remnant, his special people, he's going to bring them back home from a faraway place. He's going to bring them back home from the far reaches of Babylonian captivity. And so Isaiah chapter 43 is looking forward to the future, to a time when God's people will come out of Babylonian captivity and will come home. Look here at the continuing in verse 19. He says, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beast will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. So this section, that latter half of verse 19 verse 20 and verse 21, God is now declaring what he's going to do. He is he's promising a new reality in the fact that he's going to bring his people in across the desert, across the wilderness, this wilderness that lays between the Babylonian captivity and their home. God says, I will deliver you from captivity and bring you across the wilderness as you're coming back home to me. Now, this is an interesting thing. If you've ever been out in the desert, if you've ever been out into the wilderness, you would have to at least acknowledge that there is limited water. There is 
uh, exposure to the elements, and you may be wandering lost, not knowing exactly the path that you're going to travel. But God is reminding his people that he will lead them and he will provide for them in the wilderness. He says here in verse 19, I will make a way in the wilderness and he's going to make rivers in the desert. Now, that's very much outside of our way of thinking. It's outside of our power. But God says, I'm going to do what is impossible. I'm going to provide what you cannot provide. You see, when God does deliver his people back home, out of the clutches of the Babylonian exile, then God will supply what is needed despite the difficulty of the journey. That's what he's reminding them. And and in so doing, he's he's telling Israel and he's telling us today, his church, that I will do a new thing and I will do things in ways that you do not understand. I will do the miraculous. I will do the impossible. I will make a way in the wilderness and I will make rivers in the deserts. You see, God will supply what is needed despite our lack of ability to see it. You see, crossing a great desert, crossing a great wilderness between captivity and home seems impossible because all of creation is also fallen, just like you and I are fallen in sin. The sin of Adam carried over not only to his descendants, but also to all of the created order, animals, plants, the environment. And they're all crying out for God's deliverance. And God is saying here in this imagery, this poetic metaphor, that as you're going through the wilderness, as I create rivers in the desert for you, as I create a path that is not there. Verse 20, the wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. Look here, because if you were walking in the wilderness, if you're out in the woods, if you're out in the desert, one of the greatest dangers that you can face in the wilderness is the wildlife that may eventually hunt you down. They may see you as a special dinner plate. (laughs) And God is saying, I will even protect my people from the wild beasts as they are watching you come through the wilderness I will even close their mouths and I will even cause the wild beasts to stand in wonder as they see me lead you through the wilderness. You see, that's amazing language that Isaiah's prophecy is bringing us because where no clear path forward exists, God creates one. And the people will be protected as he creates this journey, as he creates the way because the wild beasts will stand in awe of God's power and and they will stand in awe of God's people as they pass by. Look at this in verse 20. That's amazing language. It's an amazing imagery. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. For what purpose? To give drink to my chosen people. Even the wild beasts will stand in awe as God provides for his chosen people. That's an amazing image. You see, as God provides rivers of water to follow and he provides rivers of water to drink from in the desert, all of creation will bow down to this and they will recognize in verse 21 that the people whom God formed for himself, they will declare his praise. Now, this imagery of the wild beasts even bowing before the almighty power of God is an image we see all throughout the Old Testament and, all, and even in the New Testament. Romans chapter 8, verse 18 through 25, the Apostle Paul speaks about a future glory that even the wild beasts and all of creation 
will bow before what God does as He works through His church, as He works through His chosen people. Verse 18 of Romans chapter 8. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Wow. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And so what Paul is telling us in the letter to the Romans in chapter 8 is akin to the same message that God is telling Isaiah to give to his people. I will do a new thing that you will have difficulty seeing. You will not be able to perceive what I am doing, which allows you and forces you to look forward in hope. Because Paul says we do not look forward to hope in something that we can clearly see. We look forward with hope into something that we do not see. And what all of creation is longing for is something that they can't quite see. All of creation is longing for a future beauty and a future glory, a, a glory that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay. All of the created order will be set free from the power of sin that causes death, destruction, disease. And the only way to obtain that, the created order knows, the only way that comes is through God's children, His people. So in this time of isolation and worry and anxiety, let me give us a little word of encouragement from God's Word here. The COVID-19 pandemic and the infections that we are seeing are beginning to rise in our community. We are looked upon here in Middle Tennessee as one of the areas that could possibly be a new growth of infection. That's the news this week. And even the New York Times has published an article listing Cookville, Tennessee as number four on the list of possible new outbreaks. That's an amazing turn of events. I do not share this with you to scare you. I share this with you to, let, to make us aware and to remember that we live in a fallen world. And our sin is what causes the world to crumble and to decay and to rot. And that includes disease. And so as we are navigating through these waters of uncertainty, as we, got, as we wade through these waters of infection rates and people who are sick and people who are losing their jobs as a result, let us be comforted with the words of God that he will cause deliverance in such a way that he will use his church, he will use his people, the redeemed ones through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, the genuinely saved to shine glory into a fallen created world. 
that even the world cries out with groans that we cannot understand because that groaning from the created world and the groaning from even our souls is a longing for a future hope and glory of deliverance. And God has shown us repeatedly throughout His Word that He will deliver His people. And He has ultimately provided this supreme deliverance through the blood of Jesus Christ who redeems us from our sin and will eventually usher in a new creation where there will be no more death, no more sorrow, where all of the wild beasts will now be tamed and bow before the glory of the Father. Wow! <laughs> That's an amazing hope and an amazing future. This season will pass. There will come a time where we will get back to a normal routine and we will look back on this season of we got through it with God's power and with His strength. But we can also look toward a future hope of deliverance where we will be with God in heaven in a new created order, a new heaven and a new earth. Wow. All that is possible through the redemption and the deliverance that Jesus Christ provides through His death and resurrection. If you have not embraced that truth, I encourage you to ponder those words. God has now spoken these words and you have now heard them. How do you respond? Let's close in prayer. Dear Father God in heaven, we praise you for your word. These words of comfort and hope are words that we need to hear. Father, I do pray for your continued protection over our community, over our church, that you would keep us healthy and safe. But God, that you would also protect our spirits and our souls. God, that you would protect us from worry and doubt. And when we do find times of fear and worry, Lord, I pray that you would bring to our memories these words that you've given us in your prophet Isaiah, that you are doing a new thing, something that is beyond what we could see. Even now, Father, in this time of uncertainty, in this time of illness, I pray, dear God, that you would love us and you would bless us, and that you would continue to bring to our memory that you have promised and that you always keep your promises, that there will be a glorious new future. And Father, I pray that you would bring that future to us sooner than later. But in the meantime, God, use this time to make us the people that you want us to be. Change us and mold us in a way that we trust you. Change us and mold us, Father, in a way that we look to you with a look of future hope. We need you. And we thank you that you've already saved us through the blood of your Son. And for that, Father, we give you glory and honor. And so please use your church, Father, as, as we love you, Love us in return. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. May God bless you. May he keep you safe. And may we all come back together real soon. God bless.